My name is Angela Waters Austin, CEO of One Love Global, and I am joined by my co-host, Sean Holland, aka Mordecai. We want to welcome our listeners to Transform Michigan right here on the Michigan Business Network. Transform Michigan explores the question, what would Michigan look like if we were to transform policies, systems, practice, and culture so that everyone wins? Transform Michigan will look deep into topics of embodiment, boundaries, harm, creativity, and more with people who are working to reshape our world and Michigan. This is a podcast of possibilities. Again, welcome to Transform Michigan. Hello, everyone. My name is Mordecai, and I am just really excited to be here with my dear sister, Angela. Angela, how are you today as we jump into what we are excited to release over the next couple of podcasts? We're calling the next couple of podcasts the Hope Series. Just wanted to check in with you and just thank you for holding space and being with you today. And so just to check in with you, Angela, how are you feeling today? I am feeling really good looking at this beautiful sky and excited to have this conversation and share this information. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be amazing to all of our listeners. Again, the next couple of podcasts, we are entitling this the Hope Series. And so what is HOPE? HOPE stands for the Health Opportunity and Equity Initiative, which was really launched in 2018 and began a new conversation around health equity. And the belief is really that every person in the United States, especially Michigan, because that's our focus, should have a fair and just opportunity for the best possible health and well-being. This initiative sets benchmarks and tracks 27 indicators by race, ethnicity, and socioeconomic status. The indicators measure social and economic factors, community and safety, physical environment, access to healthcare, and health outcomes. And the data that we're gonna be sharing demonstrates how well the states rank according to these indicators. And so we're going to have a drum roll to talk about where do you think Michigan ranks? And so the Health Opportunity and Equity Initiative provides an interactive data tool designed to help states and the country move beyond measuring the disparities to spur an action toward health equity. And so when we look at Michigan, And all of the indicators, Michigan ranks 32 in health outcomes. It ranks 25 in social economic factors. It ranks 25th in physical environment, 16th in access to health care. But check this, family. Michigan ranks 43 out of 50 states. It ranks 43rd in community and safety factors. And so, Angela, when we look at where Michigan ranks, you know, what comes to mind as we begin to unpack this data? One of the things that I really love about this data set, and if you are a data lover like I am, you're going to want to jump into hopeinitiative.org right now to follow along with the conversation and dig deeper into these indicators. We're going to unpack this more as we go. But what this says is we have a lot of work to do. And I love that this set of data is designed to inspire us to transform and to actually move towards the goal where everybody is actually at the top. 
So we realize that some of this data may be a little unsettling and hopefully, you know, that level of discomfort is what will inspire us to action as well. You're listening to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. We'll be back. Hibernation is over. The fairways have been cut. The greens have been rolled. Are you ready for some golf? We sure are with 81 holes of spectacular championship golf just waiting for you at Treetops. Book now and for a limited time, enjoy an overnight stay and unlimited golf starting at just $129 per person. Then top off your day with a relaxing massage in our spa, followed by a succulent steak and choice of over 80 craft beers in our sports bar. Call 888-TREETOPS. Visit treetops.com. Treetops, Michigan's most spectacular resort. Welcome back to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. When we look at the data, what we're talking about is almost 2 million Michiganders need hope. A shift in thinking, a shift in leadership. And so you think about 50, you know, 3% of the population needs to be shifted to hope. And as I began to look at the data, I said, wow, you know, I was really thinking about just my own experiences in and through this data and how it's impacted, you know, our daily lives. And so, you know, one of the things that we asked, I think it's important for us to, you know, how did we get here? How did we get to be a part of the HOPE initiative before we kind of break into some of the data? So how did we get here? Well, that's a great question because I wish that I could have just found this on my own, but we were invited by the National Collaborative for Health Equity, which is under the leadership of Dr. Gail Christopher. And we were invited because we have a wonderful relationship based on our work in Michigan with the Truth, Racial Healing and Transformation Framework. One Love Global has been leading our region in really understanding how we got here. What is it about history that continues to repeat itself? And what is the work of transformation that needs to be done? How do we actually heal our communities? And we know that racial equity is racial healing. And so that is what actually brought us together again to do this deep work that's really driven by facts, by data, because we know that this is the age of disinformation. And so we want to be clear that the work that we do is driven by data. It's rooted in science. And we are grateful to the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation who funded this work, creating this HOPE initiative database. And we're grateful to the MacArthur Foundation for investing us to really think about how we utilize this data to inspire our community to move towards a goal. We want to have 73% of the folks in Michigan who actually are healthy. And we mean healthy in the broadest sense. Public health looks at what are those conditions that either contribute to health or that actually make people unhealthy. Yeah, when we think about the complete health, as you talked about, the data looks at, you know, just in terms of the breakout for access to health care, like the access to primary care, psychiatric care, affordable health care, dedicated health care providers and health care insurance coverage. When we talk about physical environment, I think it's important. That's food security, home ownership, housing quality. And, you know, in many neighborhoods, there's a very high 
liquor store density, right? And so we'll be, you know, challenging, you know, some of this data and unpacking it. And our focus for this podcast will be centered in and around community and safety factors. And so think about this. So when we talk about the data, community and safety factors includes looking at Michigan's homicide, physical assault rates, the concentration of poverty, they look at robbery, as well as the sexual assault numbers. And so as I began to unpack this data, Angela, I was looking and I was like, wow. So like, who are the top five performing states? And so as I looked, I was like, let me see if Michigan is in the top five. And again, when we look at the list, New Hampshire, Washington, California, Oregon, and Idaho, are some of the top five states as it relates to their overall performance with these indicators. And Michigan is at the bottom. Like I was like, oh, I can't believe we're at the bottom. And no one wants to be in the bottom. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about reimagining. It's about talking about and thinking about the possibilities on how we actually make our community safe. Thank you for joining us on Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. I'm your host, Angela Waters Austin, with my co-host, Sean, a.k.a. Mordecai Holland. And we are your hosts for Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. Follow us on Facebook at Transform Michigan. Let's talk a little bit about when we talk about community safety. You know, we had done some surveys in our community. But when we look at the data here, it says that this data considers community and safety as low homicide, low physical assault, low poverty concentration, low robbery and low sexual assault. What comes to mind when we start talking about community and safety? Well, I mean, what comes up for me personally, you know, what makes me feel safe is that I can go where I want freely without feeling like I'm not going to make it back home safely, believing that I have the right to access resources in my community, that my voice will be heard by my elected officials, that the needs of the people in my community are a priority. It's the presence of healthy foods and great places to walk and play and to spend time with family. Safety looks like fresh air. It looks like green spaces. It looks like wonderful places for children to play and thriving neighborhoods. It looks like healthy and happy people. And so I think of, you know, safety as abundance. And so less about 
what we don't have, which is what I love about these indicators is that they're aspirational. They look at assets rather than, you know, looking at the deficits in the community. And I realized that this community safety is a challenge because you want to talk about, you know, what you don't have in the community. And so having low homicide in the community, absolutely. And, you know, dig deeper into that is, are we actually looking at homicide in the broadest context, given some of what has happened in Michigan and that's happened across the country? And that do black and brown people actually feel safe in their communities as a result of police homicides? as well as community violence, because we understand that all violence is state violence and really understanding that the symptoms and what's underneath violent crime are the factors that are correlated, like poverty concentration, which is why I'm really glad to see low poverty concentration as a safety factor, because we know that when communities don't have access to resources, that we see higher rates of crime and that there's a much stronger correlation between economic growth and economic mobility and low crime than there is between, say, more punitive responses to crime. So the closer we actually get to the roots of what makes communities safe, the better off for Michigan. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, just the whole environment and our motto of pure Michigan. And when you look at this data and you start unpacking it, you have some questions like Michigan ranks among the bottom states for health outcomes and environment opportunities for Black and Brown and Indian and Alaskan Native populations. And there's a tremendous amount of improvement opportunity. Black adults in Michigan are less likely to live in areas with low rates of homicide, physical assault, poverty, as you talked about, and a low liquor store density. We know oftentimes in our communities, you know, one thing you're going to see on just like every other corner is a liquor store. And we know the impact that, you know, businesses have on a community and the access to fresh vegetables, fruits and vegetables. And so I just began to think about, you know, what are those possibilities and how do we share this data with our Michigan family? And so, again, I think, you know, this is something that we wanted to share in this podcast and I was thinking about, you know, about 12 years ago, my mother had gotten sick and she lived in Florida. And I thought, hey, you know what? I didn't have the hope data. I was in Michigan. I said, well, mom, why don't you come? I'll move you to Michigan and I'll get you, you know, the best health care that Michigan has to offer. And so we packed her house up and moved her across the country to Michigan, from Florida to Michigan. And little did I know that we would be running into a brick wall. And it was so very painful. It was a daily struggle to find quality health care for her condition. And her condition is very common among certain ethnic groups. She had a severe case of diabetes that affected her heart, her kidneys, just every organ in her body. And literally, we had to fight to get the access and the quality care that she needed. And that's really important. Mordecai and I are gonna take a quick break and we'll be back on the Michigan Business Network. This is Transform Michigan. The 
Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. Thank you for joining us on Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. One of the things that's really significant about the HOPE data is that it actually disaggregates the data by race across Michigan so that we can actually see that in addition to economic factors, that racial factors also play a part in the type of healthcare that people have. And also what I love about the indicators is that it really looks at the broad spectrum of what we mean by health. So as you said, access to healthcare, access to having a primary provider, that's mental and physical health, and also the preventative factors. So what conditions actually help communities stay healthy so that we're less dependent on emergency room care, we're less dependent on the type of chronic health care that tends to be prevalent in Black and brown communities because of the deficits and the other factors that contribute to public health? Yeah, you know, as I'm thinking about just as we look at the bottom performing states, according to these indicators, you know, across the board, there are just widespread, you know, inequities. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about why we are uncomfortable in certain spaces talking about, you know, inequality and inequities. And, you know, how can we move that conversation forward where, you know, those who are mostly impacted, you know, begin to get the things that they need? You know, I have found that as we begin to talk about these issues, People say, well, that doesn't affect me, right? Because that's across the street. But what we're talking about is that as it affects one, it affects all. And so let's just unpack this whole conversation because the data is really looking at the inequities, right? And so why are we uncomfortable talking about issues of inequity in America? Well, we're taught (laughs) that... (laughs) <laughs> it's taboo where we don't want to make people uncomfortable. No one wants to be uncomfortable. And it is such a wicked problem that after centuries, we still don't have the solutions. I would argue that we're in a better place than we were 400 years ago. But are we in a better place than we were 10 years ago? I think that's a debatable conversation. I think the discomfort comes from ownership. And once you actually understand, how we got where we are, then the question becomes, what are we going to do about it? And it is that needing to take action where I think we continue to get stuck. And if we don't talk about it, then we don't actually have to address it. And there are some who believe that if we stop talking about it, then racial inequity will just disappear. And history has proven that that's just simply not the case. And that the more we understand about the root causes of racial inequities, the better off we all will be because what we see looking at this data, it is that it's the inequity that actually holds Michigan back. So for the entire state of Michigan to thrive, we actually do have to address the racial inequities. We have to invest in communities that have the least resources 
and that also have some of the most work to do to move towards these health goals. So that's what we really are trying to do with this conversation is, you know, let's lean into hope. Like, how do we have the kind of conversations that are tough conversations, admittedly, and also will help us move forward? We can't move forward if we can't actually face the truth. So that's really what we are here to do is to look at the data, to share our collective goals, and then to continue building this work across the state of Michigan that allows us to strategize, to do the work that's necessary, to transform all of the safety factors that are necessary. What we have in common is that we all want our children to thrive. We all want our communities to be safe. So we build where we have common goals and common agendas and where we can actually see the biggest impact of the investment of our resources, which is really important because if we don't actually have honest conversations about racial inequities, we'll continue to invest in ways that widen and that actually exacerbate inequities. And COVID actually proved that. We saw with the pandemic that communities that were already struggling in public health indicators, that those factors were exacerbated. So folks with chronic illness, our elders, folks that were the most vulnerable, it actually exposed the inequities in our systems. Yeah, I want to quote Gwendolyn Brooks, the first African-American female poet to be awarded the Pulitzer Prize. And she says, we are each other's harvest. What happens to you happens to me too. We are bound to each other and bound to those who came before us, but we are stronger together. You're listening to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. We'll be back. Looking for high-quality office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing for huge savings. We've got new and used office furniture from brand-name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Browse through 5,000 square feet and save on seating, desks, files, storage, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office furniture outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. Welcome back to Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. Oftentimes in our community, again, we like to say, well, that doesn't affect me. That's across town. But what we're seeing across Michigan is it's bleeding into all of our communities. And for years, you know, you and I have worked with community and we've listened to the cries of our community saying, hey, we don't feel safe in our communities where we cannot, you know, get you know, livable wages, we can't achieve a livable wage, you know? And so in our community right now, we are dealing with over-policing. We are dealing with police brutality. We're dealing with a lot of issues that impact the way our children even enter school. And so let's talk about the COVID response. I remember when COVID first, you know, broke 
I had a good friend of mine who called me one day and he said he was feeling bad. He went to the hospital, was diagnosed with COVID. He was in the hospital a couple of days and uh, they released him in Detroit and they drove him back to Lansing and he was doing okay, kind of recovering, got sick again. And they took him back to Detroit to the hospital. And it was probably a week and a half later that he passed away. And so I lost at least three close friends during COVID. And it has really impacted, you know, even the way I feel in my community. So when we talk about the COVID response, you know, what are some stories that you'd like to lift up, you know, to our listeners as we talk about, you know, these indicators? Well, first, I just, you know, want to extend sympathy and, you know, my condolences as I also lost, you know, people close to me, family members. And I just remember how difficult it was and how hurtful it was. In fact, as we are mourning our loved ones and caring for those who are struggling, actually not even being able to see them, not being able to visit my aunt, extended member of our One Love Global family, who was a former student of mine, far too young to be taken by COVID. And at the same time, you know, reading headlines and having folks on social media denying that COVID even existed and that it was real and this idea that it was a hoax. And it just felt like, you know, once again, like there's two worlds And there is a world that Black and brown people live in, and there is a world that everybody else lives in. And that segregation, that separation that we talk about in truth, racial healing, you know, that we have to move beyond the separation, because if people in one part of the state can't actually see and feel the pain of folks who are directly impacted, it creates a callousness and a coldness and a disbelief. And so I can't judge the disbelief of someone because it's not something they experience in their communities. But we did begin to see over time as COVID spread that people came forward who had believed it was a hoax in the past that, you know, they lost loved ones or they lost their own lives and their survivors, you know, had to tell the truth. So truth is so important. You know, the truth, racial healing and transformation allows us to have these really difficult conversations, to look at this difficult data and to really examine how we got here. It's so important for us to acknowledge that healing actually does need to happen. And so I just want to just say that I see you. I see you and I see the pain. I see the grieving. We're still mourning. COVID is still real. We're still in a pandemic that hasn't changed. But the way that politics actually disrupted the ability of directly impacted people to get the resources that they needed, including just the information about wearing a mask. So disinformation actually is harmful and led to a lot of deaths. Yeah. You know, as I was just sitting reflecting on just, you know, walking through that season and having to have those conversations with those who were, you know, it's not real. And, you know, my message was, well, what I'm dealing with is real. What our community is dealing with is real. And I've got real friends that are not here. We have babies who don't have fathers or mothers. We have grandparents, an entire generation totally wiped out. And so this conversation today here on Transform Michigan is a call in. 
And I started also thinking about, you know, as I looked at the data, like who also, you know, a part of what I would call like the hidden or the silent sufferers that are right around us. And when I look at the data, it says American Indian Alaskan Native residents of Michigan face challenges in accessing psychiatric care. They are also the least likely to live in areas of low sexual assault and to have youth aged 16 to 24 in school or working. And when you look at this data, you say, like, how selfish are we? And there's got to be a different way where everyone can participate and live the life that they desire. And as you continue, just peel back the layers on the data here for Michigan specifically, only 45% of Hispanic adults progress to attain a post-secondary education. Hispanic individuals in Michigan are also least likely to have a dedicated healthcare provider for their healthcare needs. And so, you know, when we talk about bridging the gap between you know, youth and elders and those that we are on the sacred land, we have to begin to think differently. You know, one of the things I'll say, and I'll tee this back to you, is that I was thinking when I looked at how low Michigan ranked in the indicators for hope, I was thinking, well, where would I go to improve? So I started looking at the data for Ohio and Illinois and Wisconsin, if I was going to go to the tri-state area. And what I found was, was that Ohio, Wisconsin, and Illinois are on the bottom with Michigan as well, this entire region. And so, you know, when we talk about this data and just from a regional standpoint, what comes to mind? So that concentrated poverty, I think, keeps coming up for me. And across all of the domains, it is the one indicator that I think is an equalizer. It's not the only one. But what we see that whether it is a highly populous, a metropolitan area or in a rural community where there's, you know, less dense populations, you have similar indicators in those communities that they actually have more in common than they actually do with folks who live within miles of them. And what they have in common is higher concentrations of Black and brown people, for the most part, because that's a bit of a generalization, because you also have rural parts of the state that just simply don't have a lot of resources where there's more trees than there are people. So you have far fewer resources in terms of health care, dental care, even educational resources because of the land is so spread out. So what is the correlation? So space and density are factors. But what we see by and large is that the blacker your community, the browner your community, the worse you are in the indicators across the board, and then that becomes exacerbated by income. So even within a community where you have a large population that is thriving, what we actually want to see and what we are hoping to do with this data is to drill down deeper within counties so that we can compare within regions and across regions. So for example, in Michigan, are there counties where we see more significant concentrations of poverty. And we know that there are. Are there communities where we see, you know, really sparse healthcare available? And we know that there are. So being able to take this hope data and to drill down deeper into it so that we can see and compare across regions, I think is going to be really helpful. If we actually want to move Michigan forward, 
spanning that distance to the goal where 73% of folks in Michigan are healthy, then that means we're going to have to drill down into where the pockets of poverty are at. And also we need to examine the communities where we see folks thriving. What is it about those communities that contributes to safety? What contributes to health? So that those become the standards that we replicate across the state. Follow Transform Michigan at Transform Michigan on social media. Mordecai and I are going to take a quick break and we'll be back on the Michigan Business Network. This is Transform Michigan. What do so many successful businesses have in common? Proactive legal strategy. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer both business and personal legal counsel. For client convenience, they have offices throughout Michigan. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. I'm your host, Angela Waters Austin, with my co-host, Sean, a.k.a. Mordecai Holland. And we are your hosts for Transform Michigan on the Michigan Business Network. I was thinking about when I first moved to Michigan. This is a safe community. And here's the thing. People know what areas in our communities are not safe. And they'll tell you, like, you don't want to move over here. You know, like one of the things that they were saying, you don't want to move in Lansing. And I was like, well, Lansing is the capital. It is the capital city, right? Now, who doesn't want to stay in the capital city? And they were like, no, you don't want to stay in Lansing. You want to stay on the outskirts. And I was like, well, what's the outskirts? You mean like the suburbs? So they started naming you where well, you want to stay in Okemos or you want to stay in Dewitt. And I was like, well, why? And it was every one of these indicators, access to healthcare, access to the educational systems, better teachers, better schools. And I'm like, well, how is this possible? You know, and so there is a link to this conversation, you know, in terms of these indicators can be driven by policy changes. And so what do we envision as we talk about these indicators and this data as we share it out over the next couple of shows in this hope series? What policy changes can we imagine that need to happen across Michigan that will shift? Let's go back and look at it. That will shift almost two million Michiganders towards the hope goal. So it's really a policy question, you know, that I'm teeing up, Angelo. And that's important because you just reminded me how, you know, one of the accomplishments that I'm most proud of, even in the midst of a pandemic and a global reckoning of white supremacy, like all of these things have happened just at the same time. So our communities, our country is still like, we're still processing how we got here between the elections and everything else that has happened, really examining where policy has gone since then. And we would think that policy changes would have actually been focused on, okay, so now we see where racial inequity has been exposed. We see where the way that we have built our systems has created more vulnerability. We would think that the policy changes would be focused on moving us towards health. Unfortunately, the policy changes that we've seen have been intentionally written to I think, exacerbate racial inequities and to unfortunately take advantage 
of those vulnerabilities. So we're seeing more legislation, more policy that is punitive of poverty and the conditions of poverty, more legislation that actually chips away at science, you know, driving policy. So this data is really important at this particular moment because we have to disrupt the disinformation with facts, with truth, with science. And so this hope data is what we will be organizing. We're organizers, One Love Global. We organize our communities to really use data to drive policy. So what are the policies that actually will help our state fulfill those resolutions that were passed across the state. So in our community in Lansing, city council passed a resolution declaring racism a public health pandemic because of the data and how the pandemic impacted our communities. Ingham County passed a resolution declaring racism a public health pandemic. And we were successful in organizing with our wonderful partners with NAACP and Black Lives Matter Michigan. And the governor responded with a resolution for the entire state of Michigan declaring racism a public health pandemic. So my dream and our work is for this data to be leveraged in a way that we can have conversations about the possibilities and how we actually move policy to transform Michigan so that we attain this hope goal where 73% of all Michiganders enjoy health. Yeah, and I think that's important. I mean, we have some amazing guests that we've got lined up for our podcast in this hope series. And we want to remind all of our listeners here on the Michigan Business Network that by 2050, Our country stands to realize an $8 trillion gain in GDP by closing the U.S. racial equity gap. Michigan can play its part. And again, we want to thank you for being with us today here on Transform Michigan, right here on the Michigan Business Network. And so we want to remind you, please rate our podcast, subscribe and review. You can email us with questions and suggestions or feedback at transformmichigan at onelovglobal.org. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at One Love Global. Thank you for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network Transform Michigan Podcast.